Ladies and gentlefolk, welcome to another heart-pounding installment of Beyond Bitcoin. It's been a while since our last episode, due in a large part to a breakdown, attempted repair, and subsequent loss of my laptop. I'm pleased to announce that you will all be receiving double your money back. About a month ago, I interviewed Sean Wilkinson, the lead developer of Storage. Since then, his crowd sale has ended, so I'm really sorry about that, Sean. None of this is investment advice anyway, though, so hey, what can you do? Head on over to storagetalk.org and you'll see a whole bunch of awesome bounties kicking around there for development, marketing, and any other kind of cool skills that you can rummage up. I'm sure they can find a use for you. It's an extremely inclusive community, but right now they're light on social and media managers, writers, designers. They, of course, can always use web developers and backend developers. And for those of you who are only interested in audience participation points, skip to the end of the episode for the magic word. That's enough from me. Sean Wilkinson awaits on the other side of the musical interlude. Hey, how's it going, Sean? Just fine. And yourself? No, not bad, man. Not bad. So you're involved in the storage project, which is a uh, distributed cloud storage service. Um, essentially. Essentially. Yes. And uh, word for it also is collaborative cloud. That's another kind of category it fits into. Collaborative cloud. That's uh, I haven't heard that. That's an interesting. Um, that's an interesting term. Um hey. I, I learned it a few days ago, too, and I kind of liked it. So. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's another one that I'm putting out there. Sounds more friendly. Oh, yeah, it really does, yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a swathe of new jargon that we're, uh, we're getting to play around with. So <laughs> yeah, nice uh, to have something else on the pile. Kind of invent our own as well. Um, you know, I, I remember when uh, Dan Larimer was always talking about that, that, that. Um, you know, so, and that kind of stuck, and a lot of other people were trying to suggest a, a few other names for the same term. Yeah, they're all about, eh? But yeah, DAC seems to be the one. It just, you can define what the, uh, what the letters stand for on your own, though. Oh, yeah, there's still some confusion on that. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's dig into storage while we're, uh, to begin with, and then, um, see where we go from there. So, um, you guys won, you and a team, I'm not sure who was, Jim Laurie. So uh, we uh, went to the, the Texas uh, Bitcoin Hackathon, uh, kind of made kind of the public uh, debut of the project, and we ended up winning uh, first place unanimously uh, among all the uh, projects there. And there's some pretty good ones there. And so then we kind of got started and really said, okay, you know, now we've got some feedback on our idea that we're not totally crazy. This this is a crazy enough that it might just work. Um, so then we got a lot of support um, in terms of billing out, and, and that really gave us a, a nice little push um, to get things moving. When was that, exactly? Oh, man. It was, it, you know, you kind of lose track of time in the crypto space just because things move so quickly. Um, I, that, that was a couple of months ago. I think that was in March, maybe? Yeah, things do move quick. It's uh, it's it's really crazy. And I mean, storage seems so. Uh, I mean, at least I haven't 
I haven't actually played with the software yet, but it seems amazing. It seems really mature from the uh, from the website. It looks like it's uh, like it's just about ready to go. Could you could you tell me like what uh, development stage it's in? Sure, sure. So uh, our our development strategy is a little weirder than most, um, and that's just something I've tailored uh, from being in the crypto space for about two years. You have the traditional cycle, which is uh, yeah, we're going to release it in two weeks TM. Um, and then we see what, what happens with that a year later. There's like, oh, maybe, you know, we have it. Um, and so I went with more of a approach where we just build it a feature at a time. So we say, here's some initial prototype software. It's rough, but tell us what you like, what you don't like. We'll fix it, um, and then we'll re-release. So just build on it feature by feature. And I think that's kind of a better model to go with um, than the current model, just because we're just pushing really the boundaries of what uh, computer science and technology and all these other technologies can do. Um, so let's keep our, our goals fairly short um, and go from there. So in terms of that, we built out uh, some prototype software called Metadisk, which is essentially a nice little front end for our network. Um, so you can go there, you can, it's a web app, drag and drop your files and encrypt them, uh, distribute it through our nodes and our network, um, and store the relevant data in a blockchain. Uh, then it also has an API, uh, built, uh, from that. And so we actually had a user throw up essentially a decentralized video player based on of our, our decentralized uh, file storage web application. Um, and they did that in a few hours. Uh, that, that surprised me as much as anyone else. Um, and then we're working on the more back-end protocol portion of really the core of storage where you get you know the proof of storage and you're checking the, the files to make sure they're available, they're redundant, they haven't been modified. Um, so we have a bunch of kind of Libraries floating around, and we're all working to make those a little bit more robust and put them together into a nice client that people can can use without too much hassle. Cool. And so you have uh, so the way it works right now, you have the drive mining software and MetaDisk, which is the uh... that's where you use to to store your files essentially. So that that would those APIs would build into kind of a decentralized Dropbox that you'd have on your computer, and you'd sync a file and you drag and drop it. Um, and plenty, plenty of other applications that we're kind of thinking up and, and prototyping now. Um, we're thinking also of, of kind of changing the drive miner software name just because we want to get away from the concept that this is mining. It's, it's really not. Mining is, you know, computationally intensive. Um, it secures the blockchain, but it's, you're not really getting much value out of this. We want to go with maybe the idea of farming. Uh, or, or some ideas that we're throwing around for the name to get the idea that you're, you're taking a resource that you have and cultivating or renting it out um, rather than just doing brute force computational mining. Yeah, well, you're, you're actually providing a service with the, with the resources as opposed, to, um, as opposed to just burning electricity, which is the, the appeal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that that means you know a lot a lot more people uh, happy on the end in terms of farming 
because um, yeah, you're not burning all this electricity. You're, you're taking a resource that you can already you already have, or you can go to Best Buy or local store and, and and pick up a couple hard drives. You don't have to wait two years to receive an ASIC. Um, so we, we think it's a better model, and the market's bigger. I mean, look at Bitcoin; it's an eight billion dollar market, um, and you have the world's essentially the world's largest computing network, and you know bigger than top five hundred supercomputers combined by orders of magnitude, and it's you trying to mine away at this little twenty five Bitcoin block reward. Um, you know, the market's very small for mining versus you know, the cloud market's a $150 billion market. Um, and there's always demand for, for data. I mean, who doesn't use Google Drive and Dropbox and all these other services? Um, so there's, it, that's what I really like about storage is, is the market is a lot bigger. Um, it's a lot easier to reach people. You know, people, you try to sell people on cryptocurrency, that's a little bit hard. But it, for storage, you're just like, oh, it's like any other service that you use, like Dropbox or Google Drive. It's just uh, faster uh, and more secure, and, and you can earn money as well. So it's, it's, it's a nice, it's an easier marketing, easier sell, um, perhaps Bitcoin. Plus, you're actually improving the efficiency of the global computing network that the Internet's exactly. become. Right, so so we've done some numbers and um, that that we're kind of roughing out, like okay, how much does does Facebook have? How much does Google have? How much does Amazon Cloud have? Um, and then you compare that to just the the free extra hard drive spaces laying around in everyone's computers, um, and it turns out you can end up storing like. All the major cloud providers, Google, Amazon, all these people, multiple times over, and just the free extra hard drive space that people just have laying around and they're not doing anything with. Um, so it, it, it leads to a, a whole bunch more capabilities as well in terms of, hey, I have all this storage space that I didn't have access to before, and it's a lot cheaper. You know, What can I do with that? There are some pretty incredible consequences for what is – I mean, storage is a really simple concept. But it gets really complex when you see how that inter- how that uh, might change the dynamic of the internet and um, and some of the uh, some of the economic incentives that people uh, have to do what they do, like create huge data centers and stuff. Um, I wonder about the tokens, right? You've got they're tied to in this case, you're actually tying it to a real world commodity. Um, with- a digital commodity. I mean, you have Bitcoin. Um, that has value because you can use it to transfer uh, funds and money and people will accept it. But the value proposition for storage coin X, which is our kind of cryptocurrency, um, is completely different. It's rooted in storage space, something that you use uh, or you have on a daily basis. It's, it's, it's a digital commodity. Um, so in, in terms of that, we, we kind of peg that to, to like you said, a, a, a thing that you can use. Um, and I think that's, a, that's, that's something a little different than we're used to um, in terms of cryptocurrency. Um, you know, normally you sell it on, you know, as features or as an anonymous or the mining algorithm, but this is really like, okay, what is this used for? Um, how, so do people, that, 
How do people earn storage coin? So they essentially earn storage coin uh, by providing their hard drive space. Um, so they'll run our application. We're really trying to design it. You can look on our website in terms of seeing screenshots for that. We're really design it quite easily where you download a client, you paste an address, and you hit go. Um, that's really how easy we want to make it. Uh, and then from there, you're, you're leasing out your hard drive space to the network, and you're earning storage coin. On the flip side of that, you want to store some files on the network. Um, you're able to essentially do a reverse of that. So you spend the storage coin to, uh, to uh, store your files on the network. And that's going to rewarding the people who are actually holding uh, the chunks of your file. And so when someone wants to use uh, storage, what they might do is buy... Uh, buy storage coin using, say, say, let's say crypto for uh, for this particular example, say Bitcoin. So they buy storage coin with uh, with Bitcoin, load it into their uh, their address, and um, run the client and store their files in um, in the network. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Essentially, we can build that applications to take a lot of the complexity out of that. Um, in terms of taking care of all the technical backend stuff for you. So one of our, our most important tools kind of in our network and, and part, part of our ideal is, is we want to have abstraction. So we want to make things as simple as possible. Yes, you can go in the API and you can have full control or the code and have full control. But for the average user, we just want to make everything as simple as drag and drop. You shouldn't have to worry about all the technical stuff going on in the backend. Um, you know, you turn your, your car keys and, and, and you turn on your car, it works and you can drive it. You don't need to worry about what's going on under the hood. No, no. Well, yeah, that's, it's one, it's a very, really basic design principle that right now hasn't, you know, we're still, um, we're still wrestling with, it seems. Um, well, that's true, but that, that is the nature of the beast. I mean, it, it is Bitcoin. It's a cryptocurrency. Um, there, there's a lot of technicalities to it. That's why I like the storage model. It's, just, it's something people are already used to. Mm. Um, they understand it. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to, to explain to people. And, and we're also looking in the future of solutions where we completely remove the name Bitcoin, blockchain, decentralized technology. We just simply have a service that provides something like people are used to they pay in dollars, and the service's goal is to handle all the technical aspects and just provide the user with a nice, clean interface. So they might be using the blockchain and cryptocurrency without even knowing it. Um, that's really one, where we want to get it, so we can get it into the hands of you know mainstream users. Um, you know, you don't want to force them uh, to to kind of figure out all this technological stuff when uh, you can make it easy for them. And buying storage coin to use on the network, do you imagine it will be possible to pay for that using fiat currency? Yes. So essentially that would be um, a service. Um, so we or someone else could essentially provide that service in terms of the abstract. Uh, they're, they're not providing, they're not selling cryptocurrency, they are selling data. So you, they say sign up for this 10 gigabyte plan or this 10 terabyte plan doesn't matter and the user clicks okay and plays with their their card or whatnot 
<laughs> Sorry. And um, on the back end, they're taking care of the cryptocurrency and the technical portions and all that kind of. So they abstract it for the user. So that is a service. Data as a service, for perhaps, if you want to put it in a category. Yeah. You're in an interesting position where you sit between um, both a a service provider, a data service provider, and then also a potentially a money transmitter. Um, that's probably a dirty word. <laughs> yeah, so, so we, we try to kind of shy away from that. We're, we're not in terms of the business of having a, this as a, a, a cryptocurrency in the traditional sense um, in terms of, you know, you're buying, uh, and you're selling, and you're speculating, and you're, you know, it's, it's more of just this is the only mechanism that you can use to make that data liquid, to be able to say, I have some extra storage space on my hard drive. I want to store some storage space on the network. How do I get that trade? And cryptocurrency is just that, that aspect in between that allows that to happen. Um, so we're really not on that side. That, that might be more of a separate business model. We're not trying to get into kind of the business of, you know, being a money exchanger or holding anyone's coins. We're simply in the business of building software to make these things possible. This is, uh, it's, it's just, it's really fascinating to see how these, these new services can, um, can take, you know, a token and, and a, and a demand and put the two together. It, it, it's simply a tool, and and it, it goes to, to something that uh, Vitalik uh, from Ethereum was saying. It, it's more now about not decentralization, but generalization. So we're simply trying to take these tool sets that we have that were brought to us by by cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and Bitcoin and apply them now, um, use them as tools, uh, and apply them to different different uh, businesses and ecosystems and, and whatnot. Um, that's what we're really trying to use it as, as a tool. How are you issuing uh, tokens right now? Sure. So uh, our core uh, token right now is Storage CoinX. Uh, that is a counterparty asset um, as of now. So we, we did a, a bit of looking around um, to the different platforms, and we find that was that was pretty much the most polished one uh, so far, and we're happy with that choice. And it, we want to really focus on the data sides of things and, and making all this technology work. So also, you know, trying to design a coin uh, with that make things a little complicated versus use counterparty. Uh, it makes things a lot easier for us. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're going to run your own blockchain for storage, though, correct? So in terms of that, um, we really want to be completely decentralized uh, in all manners. So in terms of that, we're looking at implementing multiple cryptocurrencies and multiple data blockchains. So there's a separation between the reward mechanisms, um, so storage coin X, and these new methods and technologies that we're, we're working on in terms of how do you manage data in a blockchain in a way that can scale. Um, so there's 
a lot of research and a lot of white paper writing that's going on behind that, a lot of prototyping. Um, so there, there, there's really multiple, multiple parts to that. Really? So when you what data? So you're storing, you're using a blockchain as an addressing system, or are you actually talking yes. about? Yeah. 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 So uh, that's something uh, some people tried probably in the past where they try to store data in a blockchain, but it doesn't quite work. Uh, you end up with an issue called blockchain bloat, where essentially if you have a 1,000 people connected on this network uh, and you store a megabyte, well, essentially, you just multiply that by a 1,000. Um, so it's not very scalable. What we, we can do is essentially, like you said, use the blockchain as an addressing system. So... Here's an identifier. Here's where that particular resource is, and everyone can see that listing. Um, and it's 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 really great method for for using it that way. You have a your you know this huge network of data, but I'm wondering about um, you use you used the word redundancy before, and sure. to me that seems really important because if I'm going to chuck my data in in a cloud, I want to know that it's it's going to be there and it's not going to be uh, especially if I'm storing it on a random person's computer. I want to know that yeah. it's actually going to be there, it's going to stick around, and it's safe, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely that's what you want to happen. So in terms of that, the, the tra traditional model is, say, okay, you throw your, your, your data at uh, a service provider, and they throw it on, you know, three servers distributed, distributed amongst their data centers. And you hope that, you know, their data centers don't go down or files don't get lost or they have a networking issue, you hope. Um, and, and really the idea of the cloud, you know, is this urethral thing that, you know, never goes down and is perfect. But in reality, that doesn't happen. You have data center failures, you have switch failures, you have DNS failures, and then something like Amazon S3, um, where their computing centers go down and takes a quarter of the internet with it. Um, so we, we like to pretend that these things work um, all the time, but there's data failures all the time in all these different services. Uh, our thing is more on the peer-to-peer -peer network. So you take your files, you encrypt them, uh, you split them into pieces, and you distribute them among this peer-to-peer -peer network. And essentially all we have to do is just periodically check to make sure those files are there and they haven't been modified in any way. Um, the other portion of that is the redundancy, like you said. So we say, you know, let's go with the, the standard 3x redundancy that everybody uses. But really, you or the application has control over that redundancy. So if you wanted, you could set that redundancy to 500. And so much less Armageddon or acts of God, your file is going to be protected. Um, so in terms of that, we want to give the user the control on the redundancy and where the data is stored and how it's stored. Um, and that's just something that you can't do with a, a, a traditional ecosystem or traditional cloud. Another question I have is when you've got all this data floating around, can you position it um, in the network, uh, geographically isn't the isn't the right word, but it'll it'll do. Can you position it close to the person who's going to be accessing it so that it's uh, so that it has uh, potentially higher bandwidth? Sure. 
So uh, one of the things that we're building out is MetaDisk as kind of this front-end interface um, for the users and for the developers to kind of abstract all the technical tools. I mean, you have this Bitcoin technology, you have to download you know, the, the, the client, and you have to deal with all this RPC stuff. And if you ever develop with Bitcoin, it's not the easiest thing to do. But having this application, this decentralized application that we kind of use in our network, allows us uh, to do some really cool things. So essentially, um, you can pass the software an identifier. Essentially, it's, it's a hash. You can pass this software this identifier, and it can look up on the network and determine where that, that resource is and what it is, and it can retrieve it. And essentially puts that resource in cache on its particular hardware. And so all you have to do is say, okay, this node or this software is geographically close to me, uh, or there's a couple of them, and all I have to do is simply request that file they will download um, on their cache that file, and then I can, at very high speed, uh, stream that file to myself. Um, so there's no real special load balancing that needs to, to occur. All I have to do is request that file um, on a node that's close to me, uh, and it will be simply put, be put on that node for me to easily retrieve. Um, so there's no kind of special uh, software load balancing that you have to do to make that happen. You simply have to request the file. So that file is assembled on a nearby node, and then you download the thing in a single unit. Is that uh, am I on the right track there? So you might have uh, one node that has a couple of bits of the, the the file, and another node that has the other couple of bits. So you can do download perhaps simultaneously and then re reassemble it on your host computer. Essentially a peer-to-peer -peer network. But divulging away from the peer-to-peer -peer protocols, but it is kind of a peer-to-peer -peer network. Is it good for, I mean, could you host a website on, uh, on storage? So, so that, that's the fun thing is um, Metadisk, you know, this application that, we mainly use in the early network to, to kind of interface with storage simply because it's the easiest way to do it um, without downloading any software. That is a web application. Um, so it, it's simply a matter of setting the uh, config settings correctly to essentially have it, instead of downloading the, the files, to essentially serving those files, so displaying them instead of giving them to you as a download. Um, so that's one of our, our many things and kind of our wish list is, is spending, you know, a weekend um, playing around with it and just making it, again, serve files. Um, so serve typical website files instead of getting you to download them. Uh, so that's something that can definitely be done in the future. That would completely change the nature of the internet. I, I would hope so. Um, like I think that we're... We're shaking things up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if successful, that would just, um, you know, all, all of these uh, services, like uh, all these cloud services would be rendered completely useless. Also, you know, server farms and everything. It's uh, the enormity of of the effect of that is just hard to really comprehend. 
Uh, yeah, it's fun, but uh, hey, every, every now and again, something comes along that shakes things up. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, man. We think it's a we think it's a solid idea. So I reckon this it'll be so cool. It would just be yeah. so cool to see that happen, you know, and just totally out of left field. Not like, you know, just made by a couple of guys as opposed to, um, you know, as opposed to some big think tank with, uh, you know, people. And... This is how all the innovation happens, right? It, it happens, someone gets a good idea, and they work at it in their garage, uh, you know, for a while with, with another dude. And then it turns into something called Google. Uh, I mean, this, this is how all things start. It's, it, it's just, yeah, they have a good idea. Um you know the people around you to help implement it and really push the vision forward. But uh, yeah, the, the large changes are aren't, aren't uh, things that surprise, not things that you know we kind of predict. Absolutely. How's the storage community? I know that um, looking at some of these other projects that um, that we're familiar with, like Next um, and Counterparty, they have these big communities that do a whole bunch of developing for them or, you know, to enhance the platform itself or build services on the platform that bring value to the platform. And I'm wondering how, uh, what's the, what's the storage community like? I know there's, there's got to be so much, uh, so many good ideas that, um, that could be thrown out there, you know? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So we have a form storage talk.org. Um, it's kind of, Getting its its sea legs out there, uh, people are, are definitely jumping in and, and and adding some really good ideas, and and that's where really where you know I like to go when when there's an important decision to make or um, something that we need to figure out or brainstorm. I just I just pose it directly to the community: should I do this? Should I do this? Um, and that's just kind of the final say. It makes things a lot easier for me. Um, but then we also have another level to that where we essentially have people who say they want to contribute more directly. And, and we essentially have a live chat um, that we talk to them pretty much real time uh, throughout the day, 24 hours a day. Um, so we have, uh, let's see, about 22 people uh, on the live chat right now. So that, that's pretty much the core portion of storage as of now and it's growing every day and those people are all around the world so the community is really great and they've been helping me uh, you know push stuff out there and help develop and get good ideas as well that's really happening that's a ton of people to have online yeah and that's uh, we, we grow every day we grow every day so um you know now that we have some resource and what for the, the crowd sale things are, are definitely starting to expand I used to, is the crowd sale still running yes it is yeah, because it was it was just before, you know I remember a few days ago, but I haven't uh, I didn't uh, I didn't look on it look at it this uh, like you know just this moment. Um, that's good that's, to know. <laughs> that's good to know. So it's all done. So. And um, um, how much have you guys raised so far? So we've raised as of this count that I'm looking at right now, five hundred and eighty-two bitcoins. And when did it, when did it start? Uh, it started about. 14 days ago, um, yeah, about 14 days ago, right before we left for uh, the Chicago uh, conference. Okay, that's cool. Well, hopefully this will drum up a bit of uh, a bit of community. Uh... I wouldn't mind. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So, have you noticed a? Uh, did you notice like the as we typically see with a lot of these uh, these crowd sales, a um, or you know initial uh, 
community funding efforts. Did you see a huge influx of of interest at the at the beginning and then a um and then a slowing down, or is that um has it been a bit steadier? Oh, so so most of the funds came in like the first two days because um, we implemented a, a fixed pricing model. So um, essentially, there's this, this huge curve um, for the first uh, portion of the crowd sale that just kind of leveled off, and now now it's quite quite steady. Um, so uh, that that's that's just typically how it goes with with the fixed uh, fixed price crowd sales. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, as you'd expect, but it's cool. Like, you know, did you talk to anyone before uh, before running it? I know there's, you know, there's we uh, for a while we were talking to um, uh, Jeremy Lamb of Vend and uh, Joel Dietz and all those guys at over at um, over at Swarm. Did you get in touch with any of those fellows before uh, before starting it? Oh yeah, so so I've I've, I've been in the space for a while. I've, I've watched. Quite a few crowd sales, and yes, we did uh, have a little talk around with uh, a bunch of people uh, on the models, um, and so uh, we're quite happy with our model so far. Well, it's basic, isn't it? There's no, uh, there's just no messing around, so there's no, um, there's no dodgy stuff that can happen if you just got a got a flat rate crowd sale. We've seen uh, a lot of crowd sales. Um, with all these different models, and you said, let's keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe later on we can we can play with a bunch of different models and try some cool stuff, but let's just go with something basic for now. No surprises. No <laughs> token pegging, you know, no funky numbers. Just this is what it is. Let's yeah. start it. I, I find that's the best way... Uh, to kind of approach markets and crowd sales. There's all this price discovery and all this kind of stuff that happens. I just say, this is what it is, and the market can figure out the rest. And <laughs> normally, if you set the pace, the market will follow. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but if you turn around, the, the market will will hit you in the face. So. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like the uh, the crowd sale thing is. You know the upsets we've seen, and some of the just bizarre behaviour that's uh, that's taken place is um, and bizarre effects. You know, it's really eye-opening and it's it's really exciting. And it's uh, it goes to we're, we're just approaching a, a new type of economics here. Um, you know, the, the the typical rules just kind of got thrown out the window. Um, you know, the, the typical rules are with governments issuing currency that are inflationary. Um, you know, it, 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 Bitcoin model just doesn't work, <laughs> or any cryptocurrency model just doesn't work that way. Um, so your, your typical models that you've build, been building up for hundreds of years um, just don't work anymore. So every every new uh, portion is kind of an experiment. We, we learn something new every day. Hey, um, speaking of, um, I know I'm hopping all over the place with this uh, discussion, but that's just yeah. kind of how, okay. I, <laughs> how I tend to do it, it seems. Um when you mine with you know your drive miner or, or whatever it'll be called in the end, um, are you actually generating tokens or um, you know additional tokens that are added to the network? And in doing so, you know, are they generated only if your drive is being used, or do they, or are they, uh, or do you accrue those, or you know, just naturally? And does that make does that make Storage Coin X a an inflationary currency? 
So no, so that that's a a, a model that we kind of didn't want to go with. We wanted to stick with a deflationary model. So there's 500 million storage coin X's. That's all there will ever be. Um, you have a lot of these protocols um, for for good or bad reasons, or for economic mining uh, reasons. They have mining um, or all these portions where new coins are created. Uh, our our system is completely different in terms of that. So uh, there's there's no coins being generated. Um, you're simply I'll go to the analogy of you're renting uh, your 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 empty space out. Um, so in terms of renting, there is no magical currency uh, being created when you rent uh, an apartment or whatnot. No, someone on the other end is paying you. Um, for that that space, um, so that works that way in our system in terms of when you are renting out your hard drive on this network, um, it is is it more is it more or less a more direct transaction in terms of you're getting provided you're getting paid for posting a portion of a file, um, and so in that way we don't highly devalue the underlying uh, cryptocurrency to this network. Um, it's it's you're renting something and it's being matched on the other end with something. It's not magically being generated. No, well that's uh, I you know I'm I have I'm just a bit concerned about the uh, about deflationary currency at the moment. I don't know if uh, I don't know if this is unnecessarily off topic. Deflationary currency just seems like it's uh, you might wind up with it being concentrated in certain areas in the network. I mean and. You might find storage coin X being speculated upon, and do you think that might have a negative effect on the service that it provides? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I, I think because it's a divisible token, of course there will be uh, fluctuations in the network availability um, and and essentially how people are running their rigs, but. Really, we it goes back to what we were saying before in terms of turning data into a digital commodity. Um, and the way you do that is by building essentially a market for data. Um, and you, you don't want to again magically kind of print um, this 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 token of value. Have I got you? Bloody Skype? Have I got you back? Are you back? I'm back. All right. Yeah, so to us, mate, so this is further why we should decentralize all the things, because uh, uh, Skype is not decentralized, and look where it's got us. Are you sure? I think maybe Skype's peer-to-peer, isn't it? It's peer-to-peer, but uh, I wish it was open source so I could fix the bugs myself. It... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're obviously not doing the best job of that. <laughs> no, no, evidently not. <laughs> All right, so where were we? So we were uh, about magically creating cryptocurrency through mining and other means? Yeah. So, yeah, so in terms of that, we, we really want to make it a... A, a market for data. So you have data on one side, 
that's being matched with some other data uh, or some want or some need on the other side. Um, a, a lot of people kind of peg um, Bitcoin as a deflationary currency, but the fact of the matter is it's mining is still going on. There, there's still inflation going on in that network. New tokens are being created. Um, and, and we really, really don't want to get into that because, again, we, there, there is no mining. We don't need that to secure the network. Um, and so we can kind of eliminate that strain on the network and simply provide value uh, to the people actually running the network and not have any quote-unquote tax um, through mining. Uh, essentially, that what that's what it is. When you have that new block being created, you're devaluing uh, you're devaluing all the people who hold that cryptocurrency um, by a small amount that they don't necessarily realize it, but it adds up over time. Um, and so, in terms of that, we we, we kind of don't want to get into that. But you were saying more about you know how that that would affect the service in terms of that that value drives network. So if there's a lot of demand, that value increase will convince people that they need to go run to their local Best Buy, get a bunch of hard drives and plug them into the network. Um, and so we can kind of balance out the supply and demand. And that's really what that token is doing is simply providing a balance um, to the want for storage space and need for storage space and then people on the other side matching that. Um, and so we get away with, with the inflationary portion that just uh, devalues that. Something I, I just had a discussion with uh, Justice Renvier recently, and um, he made the remark that all of these, all of these systems and, uh, and projects are going forward, and they all have these bloody tokens involved, and they could all be produced without a token and work perfectly fine. Um, and I kind of, you know, I see his point, but um, I wonder if there's something to this token, like you said, the ability to um, to balance supply and demand um, through uh, through generating value. And um, and uh, yeah, I wonder what what's your view? So you went with a token, obviously, because it was a way of incentivizing people to participate in the network. Um, Correct. Yeah, I mean, what, so, what's what's your view on the on the tokenizing of all these of all these projects? Uh, so yeah, for our platform, I, I completely disagree that, that you know this token is a necessary portion of the network um, to to drive things around because I can't necessarily you know take my hard drive physically and say like here's 500 gigabytes I want to trade it over there. You know what I'm going to do? Mail that in in the mail or something uh, to exchange it for another you know 500 gigabytes somewhere else? No, you can't do that. Um, so in terms of that, it is useful for our project, and I think there's there's plenty of other projects um, out there that that cryptocurrency is, is useful as a mechanism. But then again, there's plenty other uh, projects out there as well um, that they they just kind of slap a token on it. Um, and it's it's the next next best thing since sliced bread. Um, that necessarily isn't the case. It's it's a really interesting it's a really in interesting discussion to um, that I think needs to start happening. Is do we really need all these tokens? You know, um, 
<laughs> and the, I think the, the, the ultimate question is, is probably no. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how you sell it. I mean, a, a funny thing, uh, before I got in, uh, into the storage, I actually bought uh, CoinGen. Um, bought the source code for that. I was going to do some fun stuff with it. I mean, that's that's a fun thing where you, you plug in a couple numbers, hit go, and it pops out a coin. Oh, oh look. Um, you know, here we go. So that's that's kind of the, the the fun thing about you know the Bitcoin network and cryptocurrency right now is you know tokens are all the rage, cryptocurrencies are all the rage. Um, if you can get your marketing out there and pretend you have value, then you know it it, it might turn out well for you. Um, so that's something I, I think we're seeing that market being kind of saturated and people are going away from that. But uh, we'll see. Well- the the yeah. altcoins have been crashing. Well, I, I think most of that is tied to, to Bitcoin uh, itself. I mean, I, I don't see any uh, altcoins or any of the cryptocurrencies going the other way when Bitcoin goes up or down. Um, so everything's tied to Bitcoin um, in, in a market. Uh, so I think Bitcoin has a lot to do with that. Cool. Well, I'm, there's got to be tons of more stuff uh, I can ask you, frankly. I mean, we have been talking for a while, but um, is there anything you want to address? Uh, no, I'd, I'd just encourage uh, anyone to kind of take a look at uh, storage or website, storj.io uh, is our main website, and that's going to give you a little bit more information about our platform, uh, the apps we're working on, uh, and then we have a nice little video uh, that explains it. Uh, quite succinctly in, in about a minute. Um, so if you haven't taken a look at that, I encourage people to take a look at that. Uh, and then our, also we have our crowd sale going on now, uh, which will allow you to contribute Bitcoins to development. Uh, but the key part of that is you get early access to our software, MetaDisk, what's now known as DryMiner but may change, um, to allow you to sell your storage space and then, of course, storage points. So three rewards in there. Um, so that those portions, the early access portions, are, are, are really key because um, we're really looking to give the early software to the people who actually help build it um, and make sure they're happy first. And then maybe you know when that's all nice and done and everyone's happy, then we can move on to the traditional network. But we're really trying to keep it in our own network as of now as we build things out. So we think those are pretty solid rewards. Uh, that would make people help and contribute um, and get some something back from it. How did the whole idea for Storage Coin come about, and how long did it take you to develop a, a, as an idea? And and how long? You, you know, obviously you produced it at the uh, at the hackathon, so you actually produced the uh, the proof of concept in a, in a short amount of time. But could you uh, could you describe the uh, the development of the idea? Sure. It, it came perhaps from from two main things. So one was, uh, you know, one day I was kind of working on, on a project where I, I wanted to essentially archive um, the Twitter firehose. So the Twitter firehose is essentially streams to you tweets um, in real time all around the world. Um, and it, it adds up to gigabytes and gigabytes of data uh, a day. And it gets very, very large, and that's only a very small subset of, of the total tweets in the day. And I wanted to collect this information uh, and analyze it. 
and I was putting it on a little tiny server, and I, I kept on filling up the server, and I had to download it uh, to my physical desktop and store it that way and then clean out the server and go again. Um, and I, I was looking at cloud servers saying, oh, well, you know, I, I could purchase this uh, with a larger hardware space and more bandwidth. And I was like, wait a minute, this cost me like thousands of dollars. I don't want to pay this. And, and I looked at it on my computer. I'm like, well, like I could just go to Best Buy and buy like one drive and that, that would account for, for all I would need, but I don't have like the constant connectivity um, and the fast transfer speed. And then that's kind of when it hit me how much the traditional services were just overcharging me for the exact same thing that, you know, I had my hard drive. The only difference is, you know, I wanted multiple copies uh, spread out on, on a network. So perhaps I could maybe get someone else to trade um, that drive space with me. So if my computer crashed or anything happened, um, I'd still have that on the network. Um, so it was kind of putting those ideas together. Wait a minute. I could do the same thing on a person-to-person level instead of me paying a company. Um, and it really, the, the cryptocurrency and the blockchain stuff was the technology to make that happen. So that was one part. That's things like, I need this myself. The other part was like the vision and the idea and even the name. It came from a post that uh, uh, Bitcoin core developer Gregory Maxwell uh, put out in about 2011. He theorized this network called Storage. Or I think it was pronounced store J uh, with a capital J. Or essentially you have these autonomous Bitcoin agents. So these are AI that live in a network that you send your file to them to temporarily store and you send them some Bitcoins for it. And they take care of your file and they serve it to you and move it around the network. And then they take those Bitcoins and used to buy the server space that they're being hosted on. So these are not human control. These are not person control. These are completely autonomous programs that buy their own server space and launch off new instances and completely manage the network themselves without any human interaction. Um, so that, that kind of like inspired the, the project. It's like, wow, that would be a really cool thing to make happen. But first we have to make a decentralized storage network. So I said, Hey, let's let's just start with that. <laughs> let's not make you know sentient AI that that roam the world. Let's just make a decentralized storage network. You know, I was actually reading that article and I was like, "Whoa, this is complex!" <laughs> like, are you serious, man? <laughs> well, it's, it's really not that difficult in terms of things that you can break it down into small pieces that are actually achievable. Um, so that is kind of our, our long-term goal, and we have someone um, on the team who, who really uh, does a lot of the bio-inspired stuff, has done some some AI stuff, um, Joff Brandoff. So he's he's really working on, on pushing that out there. Um, so when the network is a little bit more stable, we will start playing around with software that essentially runs itself and hosts files and gets Bitcoins for it and pays for its own server space. So we're, we're looking, we, we already have a technology partner on that to make that possible. So we have all the component parts. It's, it's just a matter of spending some time to get things stable and putting it together. This is, it sounds just amazing, you know, really mind boggling. 
Well, well, uh, that, it, it's fun stuff. It keeps me up at night. I mean, it's it's 3 a.m. here, and I'm I'm working on plenty of stuff, and I'm happy uh, to be working on a project like this. It, it's it's exciting. Uh, so uh, I think it's about the best thing I can do with myself as of right now. Yeah, I bet. Uh, it's yeah. It's the more uh, the more I think about it, the you know, uh, just the simplicity of the concept um, almost eclipses just the tremendous uh potential and um and far-reaching effects that it's uh inevitably will have if you know if and when it's successful yeah i mean so i mean we're, we're even looking forward to that um so we we've been uh contacted by by a few people um i think baylor college of medicine is one of the first people that contact us they're like our traditional cloud solution doesn't really work that well. We're transferring huge amounts of uh, data, and we're paying huge amounts of um, money for this. I'm like, I did the calculations, like Amazon S3 is like a couple thousand bucks. Did the calculations on our system, like 15 bucks. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so really, uh, that's one of the, the places that we're really looking to bootstrap the network is um, bio data and, and video production, these these two places use huge amounts of data, and the current systems just don't work, and they're very expensive. When you say bio data, uh, you mean uh, data from the, you know, the medical, um, I guess the medical and research communities? Sure, sure. So they're, they're using more typical services like Amazon S3 or Google Cloud or whatnot um, to store and transfer their data. Um, and it only works to a point. Um, I've heard those guys complaining. I've heard people in that field complain about uh, complain about bandwidth issues and. Um, it's it's I I can get you into more future tech for storage. So we have a lot of ideas, um, but we're just trying to implement one thing at a time. Um, so some of these things we we already know the solutions to them. So one of the problems is. If you have a very, 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 very large file, we're talking about or files. Just, let's just say data. Let's, you know, you're you're collecting raw data from experiments. So I, I did uh, uh, when I was in college. I did uh, a lot of research. Um, one place was at yeah, University of Washington in Seattle, and I also did some research with the the Army at Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Um, and one of the things you end up doing when you're doing research is generating these huge amounts of data sets. Um, you have these really great tools that generate huge amounts of data, but it's very hard to move this data around. So, you know, doing some trials at University of Washington where um, having these high-speed video cameras uh, giving gigabytes and gigabytes of, of, of data and, you know, that one-minute, two-minute trial. Um, so in terms of being actually able to store that and transfer that around, it's near impossible um, with traditional speeds. Um, the United States is actually kind of one of the slowest um, providers of bandwidth or in terms of network speed. Um, and it's you just can't fit that data through the Internet when you have like a petabyte of data. It'd take you weeks or months or years. So essentially what you can do well, a lot of these large uh, research institutions or, you know, people like NASA who have, like, huge satellite data sets 
and that they need to move around. They don't transfer it through the internet. You can't do it because you can't stream it through fast enough. So what they do, it's actually faster. It's, this blows people's mind a little bit. It's faster to take a bunch of hard drives, put them in a package, and ship them over first class to your other location than it is to transfer it through the internet at, you know, with a gigabit connection. Um, so that's in terms of stuff that we're, we're looking towards in the future is we can apply our same algorithms to that so we can do our same redundancy checks and whatnot, but we don't actually have to transfer data through a physical line. We can ship a drive to another location, and then we can check and access that drive through the network. Um, that allows you to transfer petabytes of data uh, by essentially shipping the hard drives to the mail, um, which is a crazy concept, but it if you do the math, it, it's orders of magnitude faster. Low latency, though. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I would not see gaming on it. <laughs> That's incredible, though. That's a really out of left field thought. I was the whole time I was I was waiting for you to find a way. There's a name for it. It's called SneakerNet. I'll, I'll reach out to to your audience if anyone would like to get involved. Um, you know, just send us an email at hello at storage.io. That's uh, S-T-O-R-J.io. Uh, or just jump in on our forums and just let us know what, what you'd like to work on and what your skill sets are, and we'll find a place for you. Hey, this is uh, it's been really great talking to you, Sean, and um, I'm going to have to go through this and remove any references to actually investing. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, great. Um, so, yeah, there's... Uh, we, we don't want to get away with that, and, uh, you know, the whole bit license fiasco. Oh, my God. Um, so, <laughs> we will be making some comments on that on storage. Um, we, we don't like that that much. And we might have to end actually blocking New York uh, from our, our services, or at least the nodes that we control and host. Uh, don't, don't, I'm sorry to the people who live in New York, but we just, we just don't want to deal with that. Nah. Uh, uh, we, we try to be, you know, the, you can structure the model in the ways that, that it's, a, it's a revolutionary technology, but you, you don't want to be uh, uncareful, I'll say. You don't want to just blatantly violate, you know, security violations and all that kind of stuff. You, you, you can do your research and say, okay, we can address this in this manner that doesn't compromise us. So I, I think that's, a lot of thing that that's happening in in the, in the crypto space. People are like, oh yeah, IPO and invest and equity. I'm like, oh god, every time I see those words, I kind of go, whoa, you're gonna go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> we stay away from that. We try to keep a, a clean nose, and and we, we definitely have um, uh, some people that we're working on on the legal side. Is you know, you, you can do your due diligence and 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 make things or make sure things are clean. That's awesome, man. Um, and it's really great to hear that you've, uh, you've thought about it and are, uh, and are approaching it in a responsible manner because, right. yeah, some of it's pretty, ugh. It's also the nature of the protocol. I mean, you know, you, you have something so potentially game changing and you don't want, you know, a screw up that, that you could have prevented to, to stop it all. I mean, it, even look at Bitcoin. Um, you look at all the stuff that they were building in the protocol at the beginning, and then they got into these opt codes that might allow some kind of Turing complete blockchain, and they went, 
we have all this innovation. Let's not put that in there because that could actually kill it. Um, so that's a great platform to do amazing things, um, but that could actually kill the concept as well. So you, you have to be careful in terms of that. Um, so we try to do that. We're also looking uh, at, at some other ways. So we have essentially, the last point is, is, so we have a developer pool. And this, this is actually a little bit different than any other protocol. So we have, of course, the funds that are going to be dispersed through, through crowd sales. That's essentially 70% of the storage fine. Um, and then we have 15% allocated to the developers to be able to push out projects on our end. But then we, we balance that. So I think we're the only protocol that does this. We balance the developer pool with a community pool that's equal in value. So developers have 50%, community has 15%. And we're really trying to, to push the community to kind of take hold of their funds and manage them through multi-signature. Um, and so we want to give them equal power. So we're also looking at ways of interacting uh, with other protocols so they can manage giveaways and whatnot and make sure... People who talk about the storage uh, protocol and ecosystem also get rewarded as well. So we're thinking of some protocols in there. Um, and, and so we really love people to get involved because there's, of course, the, the crowd sale, which is the easiest part to get, get our token, um, but also by participating and developing and talking about it, uh, that's another way. So as long as you provide value um, to the protocol, either through computing to uh, development, contributing your storage space, or actually sitting there develop, uh, you know, building apps or you know, talking about it and, and figuring out good ideas and promoting the concept. Um, there, there's the tokens in there for you. So um, that's, that's one thing we're also trying to push out. That's, uh, that's something that's really needed. And, um, and I think you'd learn, you'd find a lot of, uh, a lot of communities, uh, I think of Next in particular, could have learned a ton, uh, or probably I should say could have learned, knows all about that. I mean, they've... Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. So you can have the, the, the best protocol that does all these nice things, but if you don't have proper distribution, it will kill you. Um, so in terms of that, we just want to make it fair. So uh, one thing I observe with other protocols is essentially the developers have all these funds... And then the community has all these uh, great ideas. And then the community is like, we want to do this. And then they have to ask permission. We don't want to get into that. Let us focus on development. Let me worry, worry about deterministic seeds and Merkle trees and all that fun stuff. And you can worry about, you know, the apps that you want to build. And you have the resources to make that happen. Um, so I think that everyone's working towards the same goals. Give them the resources to do that. Don't try to hold up all the funds on your end. Um, so I think that will really be a, a model that, that perhaps might work out quite well and people will start to implement as they see it. The, the real power of the community when you give them the resources uh, that they need. Yeah, community management is one of the, is a really unique side of this that uh, gets kind of lost, um, uh, you know, in the haze of uh, of kind of techno babble often is um, you have this. I, I, yeah. For me, I got lucky. Because I actually ran a very, very large form um, in my early teens uh, that, that had a very large amount of users. So we broke about 100,000 posts. And uh, it, was, it, 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 it broke, uh, it was on a, 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 a piece of software 
uh, Blender that deals with 3D graphics and animation. And I had a YouTube series up there that garnered a few million hits. So I've, I've been in the community space. I, I know how to work a community uh, from kind of my early days. So uh, I'm just taking what I learned and reapplying it again. Yeah. So, that's why we play such importance on community because I, I definitely know the power uh, of that just from previous previous experience. It uh, sounds like you've right? got all the tools, you know. Um, <laughs> well, so that's that's why it's, it's taken me a, a, a while to build storage. It's just it was just a learning process over the past two years since I've been introduced to cryptocurrency, getting involved in Bitcoin development just a teeny bit on some ads libraries, Pure Coin, Prime Coin. Uh, involved with Invictus and BitShares in the early days, and um, it's it's just it was just a learning experience for me to learn the good things and the mistakes, um, and then it was time for for me to apply those and in, in, in the protocol that I could get behind. So um, I, I like to think that the decisions that I make are not just willy nilly. It's just like okay, there's some data behind it, because uh, at the end of the day, I'm a computer scientist, so I think. Very literally, very logically. So this happens because that happened before. Uh, it follows a pattern. So that, that's the way I like to think of it, and that's the way I like that. Hey, can I ask you, um, and I won't necessarily publish this, uh, but can I ask you about your opinion on MadeSafe? Sure. Um, so I, I'd love you to publish this. So the funny thing about MadeSafe is uh, I think we have to do a little better to uh, address this misconception, is that... Uh, Made safe and storage are not competitors at all. It, we actually, when we were doing our due diligence for storage with the Bit Angels, is when we discovered Made Safe with them, and then um, that's when Made Safe brought. Uh, uh, that's when Bit Angels brought Made Safe kind of into the Bitcoin ecosystem. Uh, when we were doing that research, so we've been talking to them from day one, um, and. We essentially build, the, the cool thing about storage is we build both apps and protocol. So in terms of another protocol that does things a little differently, that's fine. We can just plug into our front-end apps. Um, so we're not only just looking at MadeSafe. MadeSafe, SciaCoin that's doing uh, essentially Quorum, uh, Permacoin, Filecoin, all these different uh, cool technological approaches to decentralized storage. Again, we build protocols and apps, so we can just plug them into the front end and have the network, have the users, have the applications, uh, have multiple choices. Um, and and it, it, we can essentially just make it easy. You can make APIs to make all these platforms work together um, rather than against each other. I mean, when, uh, imagine if you could take a file in Dropbox and access it through Google Drive. You, know, you just don't have that kind of interoperability with the normal platforms. But you can do that with decentralized data. And that's the really cool thing. I think you'll see a lot of these platforms. And, and we, we really try to make it a point to match these things together and work, reach out to these people. It's just like, why would we ever need to compete when we could just work together when it's such a big market? Um, and there, there's so many opportunities and possibilities. Let's just work together and just make everything interoperable. Why the hell not? Uh, it's it, it just seems like... Uh... It's such a powerful tool, and to the fact that you guys have managed to um, actually talk to people and uh, and achieve something like interoperability, which is just the icing on the cake. I mean, I don't know how uh, it seems. I have no idea. It boggles the mind. I have no idea how you would uh, how you would go about it. But I guess it's just with data. It's just about addressing, isn't it? 
it's a, you get in with, get in with some Bitcoin users, you sit down and talk, and you find that we all share some some type of ideology on decentralization and technologies pushing things forward and privacy and encryption and power to users and all these other ideological concepts. It's really easy to say, hey, let's just work together. We're, we're achieving the same goals here. We have the same idea. Um, you know, let's just work together. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's very easy to, you know, I have plenty of friends in the cryptocurrency space, you know, uh, you know, go over to the house or have dinner with them or whatnot. Right? It's a very easy space to work with because we, we all have kind of the same ideals and we want to go to the same place. Um, so in terms of when I met the MadeSafe guys, you know, the first time, you know, was, we had a great conversation. It was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. So just want to keep on working, you know, with these guys. Um, so it, 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 it actually works out. It's really easy to do. Um, you, just, you just have to say, hey, I let's try this. It sounds like you're living the dream. <laughs> I, I completely am. I really am. Um, so I'm, I'm full in. Uh, so. <laughs> I get paid in Bitcoin. You know, I, I try to do most of my expenses in Bitcoin. You know, I, I, we're, we're actually, we've been using our own software internally to share and, and distribute files. Um, it's actually funny. Um, when we were distributing some, uh, some of our decks and whatnot on the website, it actually goes through a prototype software. No one actually, I think, realized that they're actually using storage. What we like, a lot of people think that this is something coming out in the future or whatnot. But if they went to our website and downloaded our deck, they use storage. They use our prototype software without even knowing it. We really want to make it seamless and we really want to put it out there. Awesome. Great. Hey, this has been an awesome chat, Sean, and um, uh, awesome content for me. I mean, this is, this is brilliant. You know, you're, uh, you're right on the, right on the pulse and right on the money as far as, you know, what people are interested in. So it's, uh, it's awesome to have the opportunity to talk to you. And sure. I, I, I love this as well. I, I love to talk more. There's, there's plenty more areas in decentralized storage. It's, it's, it's a variety, it's a wide concept. I think it's it's going to open up a new market in this the Bitcoin ecosystem. Can I get in touch with you uh, uh, down the track a bit? And um, I might what I might do is get the um, get the community to um, drum up a few uh, a few ideas and a few things to run past you that um, maybe you can uh, help shed a bit of light on. Be it, be they related to storage or uh, or other other platforms or or just other concepts. Definitely, definitely want to do that. Um, so I, I try to keep my ear to the ground as much as possible. I mean, e- even with the storage, as of now, um, the original idea that I had in terms of um, decentralized storage was mainly influenced by user feedback. So I started at the, as this as, hey, here's a network where you can store your files and they'll be encrypted and it'll be secure and private. And then I said, oh, yeah, as an aside, perhaps you might be able to, to lease your, uh, your storage space and network. And everyone gravitated towards that. So we, we changed our value proposition and focused that on, on that more. That's because people wanted it. So in terms of that, definitely open to getting as much feedback um, as possible and just tell us what you want us to do. Um, and, and if we have consensus on that, let's, let's get it done. Um, very flexible um, in terms of that because uh, you, you don't want to give 
build something up, and then nobody actually wants it. So we'll, we'll build what people want us to build. What a legend, eh? Check out Storge at Storge, that's S-T-O-R-J dot I-O, also at storgetalk.org, and they're on Reddit too. Uh, thanks to Ceases for the music, and uh, thanks to Sean Wilkinson for the content. Contact me at beyondbitcoinshow at gmail.com. Oh, and before I go, I have an interview with Justice Ranvier in the pipeline. I'll be getting that out as soon as possible. It's been sitting on this computer floating around the North Island for God knows how long. Really, really great stuff. That'll be on the next episode, hopefully early next week.